Hey, if have you ever thought about um like if you had if you had somebody like your your life was made a movie and you had somebody narrate your life or or like you were just able to have someone like a celebrity narrate the voice in your head what okay. what you think that would do do you have a, a celebrity voice that would pop into your head do you think that identifies with you well or would suit your character or something like that mm, i mean like a lot of people say morgan freeman well yeah because he narrates everything right exactly uh, and he's fantastic and he's fantastic um i mean this might be uh recency bias because i just watched entrapment last night but uh sean connery oh that'd be good yeah i mean what's what's something you were doing today so what'd you do just before this before this yeah um went through emails worked on fees okay Okay. invoices yeah loads of sean sean connery Arsh, I was looking through the emails and I was not finding the things that I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's a good Sean Connery voice there. <laughs> yeah, I, I was know. hoping uh, to Craig, find Craig Ferguson more does a pretty emails. good imitation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. Uh, mine would be uh, Patrick Warburton. You know him? He did. Mm, uh, nope, you're going to have to fill me in on that one. He did uh, Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, okay, yeah. Because he's got the, uh, he's got that big deep voice. Whereas uh, <laughs> he's a guy that's a little bit spacey there. And, yeah, uh, I know who you're talking about now. Especially when I feel that way and I'm taking a call at three in the morning, then that's that's how I feel about it. Somebody says, "Hey, I need you to take care of this thing." Oh yeah, I'm on it. You got it, big guy. <laughs> Nice. Have you ever thought about money and personal finances? Yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that we're making this uh, implies otherwise. (laughs) And that's when I realized it. Oh, wait, no, that's my voice. Yeah, me neither. Uh, then uh, everything's going according to plan. He did not know that I knew about the money that he does not know about. You know. <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back again to another episode of The Truth About Investing, Back to Basics, where I am Chris Holling. And I'm Sean Cooper. Or maybe, are you, are you maybe, really only Chris Holling when you uh, <laughs> are making this? Because <laughs> I'm, uh, you did I'm say Chris where, Holling where voice. Where I am Chris Holling. <laughs> <laughs> where I am, I am Chris Holling, voiced by Kronk, uh, <laughs> by uh, Patrick Whiteburton. You know. So when you're that. not doing the Truth About Investing podcast, who are you exactly? Kronk. <laughs> oh, oh, that's who you are in real life. The, the don't, Chris don't Holling worry. is don't. just the... The podcast it's, version. It's like a it's like a mask that you wear. 
and other people look at it and they go, oh, look at that guy. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I said I would stop. Come on. Okay. Uh, so uh, uh, we are going to follow up today and in, in kind of putting a nice little bow on our first section of our foundations process for our budgeting. I, I, I was really fortunate to have the time here. Uh, really, both of us were. I was really glad to have that time with Jamar to have him come out and spend the, the part one and part two episodes with us talking about budgeting and personal finance from his Get Your Money Right podcast. And he's, he's really good at what he does and what he knows. And and it was really great to see a, a full circle thing for me personally, ignoring you guys, you guys that are listening. <laughs> this, this was no, good he for has me. Some <laughs> fantastic ideas. Um, he really different, does. different ways of looking at it to make it more relatable for a lot of people. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I was super glad to have him come out for that. And I, I, I knew that with getting the three of us together, we were going to fall off on a tangent and, and really, really get after it. And in doing so, we weren't really able to take a lot of time with you, Sean, on you. And, and the only reason I even know this is because you and I have talked about this before, but we've talked about some of the different approaches that you have for some budgeting and uh, spending plan ideas. And ultimately, this, this is just a touching base, wrap it up, tools in the toolbox thing, because I wanted to get some of your stuff on here so that other people could go, okay, I, I like some of the ideas that, that Chris and Jamar had, but I, I don't know how to implement them, or I could just use a different method, something that would be better for me. And really, just like I mean, tools, more tools for the toolbox. That's all we want to do. And then if we can go over some of the things that have worked well for you, or maybe some things that you've found that work well for other people, but not you, or something along those lines, um, then we can just wrap this up together because again, the importance for everyone getting together now is, is really getting that foundation. And like we talked about the, the foundation and the framework in order to have everything organized in order to be able to move forward. Uh, because once you have that foundation, that's what allows you to be able to handle things like investments rather than have it just be this daunting task that sits in front of you saying, I don't know how I'm going to get started on this because I don't have the money to do it. And now I'm babbling. Spending money, good. <laughs> I'll just let you keep going. It's fine. <laughs> spending spending plan, good. Uh, more tools for a toolbox so that, so that you make spending plan, good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I mean... That that's kind of what I had envisioned as well, because um, we talked about a lot of concepts in the last one. But for a lot of people, it, um, we didn't necessarily delve into the practical application of it. So my thought for today was just along what you were talking about of providing a quick idea of how to actually put a budget together, so that you can take those next steps and start actually paying off debt, saving money and working with, you know, an expert like Jamar or myself or Chris uh, or what have you. Are you saying that we were talking about all things that weren't practical? <laughs> no, no, no. Very practical, just not necessarily the 
the practical application of it. Oh, so okay. it's the application, and that's, that's what I'm getting at. So <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah. I know, I know. The the guy that we we need to do practical things. Oh crap! Practical guy is awake. Okay, let's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that's important too because uh, having having a base plan. Even if it's even if it's as simple as like even though we know where we're getting started on stuff, having some of those those base uh, hard numbers, hard ideas to go. Okay, this this is how I can start. I think that's a that's a good way to go. And and like I said, we'll we'll go along the way and other things where you say, and this has helped me, and and I'll try right. to ask you about it and and stuff like that. Because yeah, well, and like you yeah. said, I mean, some of the things we talked about will work for. A lot of people and then some people will gravitate more towards different concepts that might work better for them so we i mean we talked about like the envelope approach or the the bucketing approach or setting up different accounts uh, my approach is a little bit different than that where you could still use the the envelopes or the the bucketing if you you chose but it's not necessary for the the approach that i'm going to address today cool well i'm so, excited just different concepts it. Um, the other thing is with this particular podcast is you may actually want to be in a position where you can actually take notes, write things down, or just play it back when you have that opportunity, because uh, I am going to suggest a number of different things that you, you may want to uh, just jot down a couple of quick numbers or ideas on. Yeah. When I absolutely. address budgeting with people, the first thing that I want to do is look at income. So without income, obviously, there's there's really nothing to budget. <laughs> so sure. yeah. uh, now typically I start with house, household annual income pre-tax and then I calculate the after-tax. But if you have your, uh, you know, your pay, pay stubs and you, you have the after-tax there and you can calculate out your annual after-tax, that works just fine too because that's ultimately what we're going to be working off of. The big so, things. Go ahead. Sorry, uh, when when you're looking at that, like I I know that when we were talking about it, we're talking about envelopes and buckets and things like that. It's we Jamar and I were very much operating strictly on what you have post check, like the the cash that is in your account, which I know that you're going to touch on. But you right. you said that you like to have the separate numbers so that you can calculate the difference between those things. Like why why does that matter? Why why should I care about that? A few different reasons. Number one is when we're calculating out the fixed expenses, some of the fixed expenses that I typically include are going to be things like your your various insurances that might actually come out of your check. So actually seeing those broken out and understanding how much that's costing you and what you're getting for it is advantageous. So uh, the other side of it would be the have a, having a better understanding of how different methodologies can impact your taxes. So if you are saving in a retirement account, 401k, something along those lines, uh, breaking it out so that you can see how that's impacting your overall tax situation okay. is part of what I'm, I'm trying to get at here so that you can see, hey, this is my pre-tax, this is my after tax, and then if I change these these variables, which I typically include your your savings for retirement in the fixed expense category, when you change those, you can see how it's impacting your after tax 
take home. Yeah, that that totally makes sense because I we we touched a little bit on that previously where we were talking about the difference between deductibles and different plans and and stuff so that they can all they can all build to your advantage but you're saying that the only way to be able to do that is to be able to also allocate what's happening between the gross amount that you're receiving and then after insurances and tax and everything has gone through that that step in between until you get your check in your hand right we're just trying to to break it out so that you can actually see what's what's happening in between there and how your decisions are actually impacting it because most people that's a a set it and forget it type of thing sure yeah totally makes sense okay yeah. good point yeah and when you think about it with your retirement savings uh you know say you're in the 20% income tax bracket, if you put $1,000 into your 401k, technically speaking, it's going to reduce your check by $800 for the year, you know, your total payment, not by the full 1000 because you're going to re- uh, receive essentially a $200 in tax savings. Mm, so gotcha. it, it helps you understand how that actually is working. So, Okay, cool. Yeah. So I keep mentioning these fixed expenses, and that's really what we're going to be working off of. So these are some of the things that I would want you to write down. Uh, When I say fixed expenses, these are set expenses that you're going to end up paying every month regardless, and they they don't vary a whole lot. Now, there's a few things in here that I'll want you to average out to get an idea of so they're not 100% fixed, but I still lump them in. So Hang on. I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. All right. You're going to write it down? Yeah. Hold Perfect. On. I this I I didn't know that I was gonna be doing this. <laughs> so now I'm now I'm scrambling for stuff. Don't mind me, I'm just gonna search through all these drawers here and then uh, Oh crunk. <laughs> Alright. You know what? This itty bitty little notepad just gonna gonna have to do Ooh and a new pen. Okay. All right. See, I'm so prepared. Oh yeah. Prepared, prepared. A F. Okay. Let's let's blow this popsicle stand. All right. All right. So you've either already written down your household annual income before tax and after tax, preferably. Okay. And then fixed expenses. So your mortgage or your rent uh-huh. monthly. So these are all monthly amounts. Uh, HOA, if you have one, so that's Homeowners Association dues. Mm-hmm. Property taxes, if they're not already wrapped up in your mortgage or your rent. Uh, house insurance, so your your home insurance, if it's not wrapped up in your, again, your mortgage or your rent. Utilities actually take a few months and average them out. If you have a full year to use to average them out, that's even better. Okay. And so just like take the uh, one month average or you okay. know 12 months what's the the monthly average. And just just for conversational sake the the purpose of averaging utilities is so that you can handle fluctuations in something like electricity when it's a hotter month or a colder month kind of thing. Right. And vice versa. Cool. All right. Yep. Yep, and we're just trying to get a, a general picture here of what you're going to be working off of after all these things are deducted. So okay. the, the idea is that these things are items that you have to pay in order to 
you know, kind of maintain the status quo. So we want them off the table. This is money that you cannot use for anything else. So right. kind of a similar concept of what you guys talked about in the last uh, podcast as well. So Priority numero uno. Got exactly. Uh, car loans, if you have one, any. Is this still priority one? I'm sorry. These are I'd... still fixed expenses. Yeah. Okay. Fixed. Oh, sorry. I'm going to put quotes in that. Fixed expenses. Yes. Okay. So car loan or car loans, car insurance. Look, and some people may pay their homeowner's insurance or their car insurance on an annual basis instead of monthly. Still break it back down to that monthly amount. So just, you know, divide by 12. Uh, Health insurance. So again, that's what I was talking about before is that may already be coming out of your check. So when you're looking at your check, you know, factor that in one way or the other, depending okay. on if you're, you're already, it's already being deducted. So if, if I'm, if I've never looked at this stuff before and I'm, I'm following exactly the way that you're describing it and I come across health insurance listed on here, mm-hmm. right? Am, am I just tracking down where it is so that I'm aware of it or, or when I'm writing all this down, am I writing health insurance in here even though it's already taken out of my check? Does that make sense? Yeah, I want you to write down the actual number. How much are you paying on a monthly basis? Cool. All right. Absolutely. No, good question. Credit card balances. What I'm getting at here is your required minimum monthly payment. So if you carry a balance on any of your credit cards, your statement will show a minimum payment due. Write that number down, or rather the aggregate if you have multiple credit card balances. If you do not carry a balance on your card, so you pay it off every month, which is what I recommend. Same. Write down zero. And I'll explain that here in a little bit because credit cards for the most part are used for discretionary income, not fixed expenses or discretionary spending, not fixed expenses. So only if you have a balance and you have a minimum payment that's always due. Write that down. Okay. All right, right, student loans, any additional debt or loan payments, um, internet, phone, any other fixed expenses that you can think of. So if you have other subscriptions like Hulu or Netflix or Amazon or any of the other, you know, a gym membership. Anything that comes out of your accounts, comes off your credit card, whatever, on a monthly basis, write that down in that other category. And then you're going to take all of those monthly fixed expenses and add them all up. Okay. All right. So now that you have those, so we've now we're now working off of two numbers basically. You've got your household annual income after tax and your monthly fixed expenses. So take that household annual income after tax and divide by 12. That gives you your monthly household income. Now take that number and subtract out your total monthly fixed expenses. If you've come up with a negative number at this point, make sure you subtracted the right one from the right one, or we have an issue. 
in which case you need to go back to your fixed expenses and figure out how to reduce them because you are literally spending more just on fixed expenses than you are making. Which happens. Yes. There, there are absolutely people that, that do that. And if if you're that person, it's it's okay. <laughs> and we're, we're here to help. <laughs> exactly. If, uh, the whole if point of this not, exercise is to address the issues, if any. Right. Right. Gotcha. So, okay. Even if you came out with a positive number, which hopefully you did, hopefully you came out with a, a positive number here. Mm-hmm. So household monthly income minus fixed expenses, hopefully that's positive, and that is your monthly discretionary income. Now, before I address that monthly discretionary income, I want look at your fixed expenses. The whole point of writing these down is to get a feel for what they are. You want to evaluate those and figure out, are they reasonable? Am I paying too much in any category? Should I reevaluate any of my insurance? Should I go out and get a new quote for my homeowner's insurance or my car insurance? Should I consider a different internet or phone service plan? Are any of these monthly subscriptions things that I don't actually use and I can get rid of? Anything along those lines to help reduce your monthly fixed expenses and boost your monthly discretionary income can be beneficial. So since you have them written down, go ahead and take the time to evaluate them. All right, so now that you've subtracted out your you know, household monthly income minus your fixed monthly fixed expenses, you have your monthly discretionary income. This is what you have left over for any time you pull out a credit card, write a check, pull out cash. So basically food, clothing, entertainment, anything that's not included in those fixed expenses. So these are the things that you actually have a, a choice on a, a daily basis about whether or not you spend money on. That monthly number, I want you to take and divide by 30.42. I know that seems strange, but that's the average number of days in a month. Uh, so two questions. Yes. One, how do you spell discretionary? <laughs> <laughs> uh, D-I-S-C-R-E-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y? Yeah, you didn't need help after all. Uh, that or just, we both spelled it wrong, in which case, yeah, who cares? Well, I needed an adult to watch over me. And two, which I know you were going to answer anyways, but I, I wanted I wanted to participate. Why 30.42? Uh, because that's the average number of days in a month. Okay. Yep. And Take I that, wanted February. to be as exact as possible. That's right. Short month. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so once you've divided your monthly discretionary income by 30.42, that gives you your maximum daily allotment. All right, I call this your maximum daily allotment because that is the most you can spend on a daily basis without either A, taking on more debt, or B, putting yourself in a situation where you cannot service your existing debt or your existing fixed expenses. That is the most you can spend. I like breaking it down to the day because it gives you immediate feedback. Mm, okay. And that is the maximum. The goal is actually to reduce it, spend less than the maximum so that you can actually create some savings, 
uh, or the ability to pay down debt if you have any. The other thing that eventually I would work into your fixed expenses is a goal for savings, whether it's uh, you know general savings for setting aside enough to have for an emergency fund or for specific deductibles like Chris has talked about in the past or for retirement. Whatever that goal ends up being, you can actually pull it out, put it back into the fixed expenses so that it's out of sight, out of mind. It's no longer even part of your maximum daily allotment. Okay. Well, let me let me ask you something that maybe, maybe you're planning on going into anyway. Um, yep. When you're looking at your daily discretionary allotment and say... I don't know what's what's a what's a normal. I, I've never done this method personally. So mm-hmm. what's a relatively normal discretionary amount that you come across as like a daily number? It really depends on the family. I mean, okay, that's fair. In- income level is going to affect that a lot, and size of family also tends to uh, impact it. Um, just just give me a number, one that's just not outrageous. One that's that's fine and and workable for whatever the circumstance is. Just for fifty bucks, fifty bucks. Okay, so fifty bucks happens and it's the first. So we are starting out with our new discretionary month, and all I can think to myself is I need to go out to the store and I need to do major grocery shopping for you know the family, me and the family, and I know that it's going to cost me more than fifty bucks. If I'm trying to really do what I can to stick. To stick to this strictly is that something that i'm going to hold off for a couple of days so that i have 200 bucks in four days or do i go spend it and then i let the negative kind of build back up in those next few days because you're getting that immediate feedback or what what do you suggest as as that uh, you pretty much said it um yes it's absolutely preferable if you can build up the Uh, the allotment because I do aggregate them over time and build it up before you're going to make big purchases so that you already have it. But if you are going to make it, you know, that big Costco run or whatever it is, and you just can't wait, you got to fill the pantry. If it runs you negative, then it means you got to tighten the belt for the next few days until you get back up to positive. Love Costco. Right. Um, So that actually you know, kind of jumps into the way I utilize it. So once you have that, that daily allotment, you know, whether you plug it into an app on your phone or, you know, an Excel spreadsheet or do it a little bit old school and just pull out a three ring bind, a spiral bound notebook and take some notes. If you're going to do that. A trapper keeper. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, the way I, I, so I, as most of you know, I love Excel. This is probably the one area where I actually do hard copy just because at the end of the day when I have my receipts and my wife pulls out her receipts, we can just write it down on notepad and keep track of it that way because if I have to hold on to the receipts until I fire up my computer again, you know, it may or may not make it into the Excel spreadsheet. But sure. the, way, the way I'll do it is I'll actually write down the day. So just a date. I write down my allotment, whatever that is, and then I write down what has been spent. Add up everything that's been spent, 
subtract that from the allotment and then you either have a positive or a negative that you roll to the next day and repeat the process. So that gets into that immediate feedback that we were talking about of if you start building up a negative balance, you know you got to scale back the spending and make sure you're you're starting to save and get back to that positive amount. If you are building up a positive amount, certainly you want to, you know, the goal here is to save and to pay off debt, but you also want to realize that if you're you're doing a great job of saving, you know, maybe it's time to go out and celebrate and, you know, give yourself a, a pat on the back for being successful at this whole budgeting or rather smart spending thing. You know, I was just thinking that it it might be good too, depending on the person, because again, this is this is all tools for the toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. It it might be something to find a combination of uh, somebody somebody that's really looking forward to getting their stuff under control and say they they like your process because it's it's perfect and they they like to have that immediate feedback and it, they want to see it build up to that date because they don't know if they're going to spend money on food or clothing for the day and they I think that's the huge advantage to this whereas the things I've talked about in the past is I know that my stuff's going to go to groceries for the month and then I'm like oh well maybe I need to pull from the grocery budget and and that's kind of a conversation you don't always want to have with yourself. Whereas if you just want to have an allotted amount every day and it goes to whatever you feel is important that day, more, uh, more immediate feedback for that, then mm-hmm. maybe having a combination of your plan and a little Dave Ramsey-ish, and you'd have to have this organized in order to make it work. But if you had the envelope system because you're just a tactile person and you like to be able to see, just like you're talking about, have that immediate response of of having that money in front of you and either you do or you don't have it rather than having this envelope that's like okay this is my discretionary amount for the month or this is my grocery budget and I don't want to mess with my grocery budget kind of thing if you set it up where like your discretionary amount is a envelope that sits at home and then you have the $50 a day allotment then every day, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like hitting the lotto every day. You just right. walk over there, and then you you grab a fifty, and then you stick it in your pocket, and be like, "Cool, I'm good for the day." And uh, if you use your fifty, then you use your fifty. If you don't, then you don't. And you know, five days later, you go, "Oh man, I got two hundred fifty bucks in my pocket. Like, what, what am I going to do with this? All right, let's no, let's do something with it." Yeah, and it's it's like a it's a hybrid of the two because then you have that immediate stuff that's happening, and if you if you like what you're seeing with it, then you might go, oh, you know, I better hold off on this, or you you haven't been doing anything and you've been stuck in the house because of COVID, and so you spent five days inside, and then all of a sudden it's uh, it's some night where you decide that yeah, I'm gonna go spend 250 bucks on this thing. Like, hey, it's it's your spending. It's your discretionary plan. It's whatever you want to do with it because the f- because the the fixed expenses are already addressed. And, exactly. Uh, so that's it'd be interesting to have somebody that says, "Oh well, I, I like this hybrid method." Uh, that's I think that's totally possible. I've just never considered that before. Yeah. No, I like that. The one other thing I I add to it, and it, it applies to you know my strict method or this hybrid that you were talking about or I probably any realistically, but 
on a monthly basis, I actually recommend people reset. And that okay. is purely for psychological reasons. So we're, we're kind of keeping this rolling tally where we're either building up a negative balance or a positive balance and hopefully, you know, correcting for those negative balances and, you know, celebrating the wins when we have positive balances, but ultimately trying to generate some savings. But I don't pull from one month to the next. I wipe the slate clean on the first of every month. And the reason for that, like I said, is psychological. So if you have a really bad month, you know, you got a, a flat and, you know, the tires are worn enough that you had, you know, your all wheel drive. Now you have to replace all four and it, that's, you know, 500 bucks or more out of your budget all of a sudden. And you only had a hundred built up and now you're, ne- you're, you know, right at the end of the month and now you're negative 400. If you have to start that next month with negative 400 and negative 400 balance for a lot of people, that's enough where they're just going to throw up their hands and call it quits. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I, so, for some people that they might view that as a challenge, they're like, oh, negative 400, I can, I can beat that. And I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to run that positive by the end of this month. But for a lot of people that that's just going to be, nah, there's no point. I can't, I can't win this. So wipe the slate clean. Um, cause if you, if you throw up your hands and you call it quits, odds are you're going to end up spending more than you would have if you just wiped the slate clean and tried to start the month anew. On the flip side of that, if you go through a month and you do great and you came out, you know, 500 positive or something like that, I guarantee you that next month you will find a way to spend it if you roll it into the next month. That's true. (laughs) So wipe it clean. Put that, dump that into savings minus, you know, your, your celebration, however you want to do it, but wipe the slate clean and give yourself the chance to start over and just do as as good as you can every single month. When you're, when you're organizing this, uh, I, I understand the, the surplus amount. Like if you have the surplus amount, then it'll go into uh, whatever, whatever you think is important, whether it's. It's a gift for yourself or a, or savings or, or whatever the approach is. Uh, when you do have that deficit difference, where, yes. where, where, where does that balance come from? Does it, does it come from the other months that you did have the surplus and this, this just kind of helps balance it out? Or Yeah, that, that comes from a piece that I kind of glossed over earlier. I mentioned that it was a maximum daily allotment, and the goal was to set a daily budget that's lower than that based oh, on okay. uh, savings. I, I kind of glossed over that earlier. but So say your maximum daily is something like you know, 55 maybe it's 60 bucks. You want to set a daily budget that's below that that you feel you can reasonably live off of comfortably. So call it 45 bucks. So you're building that cushion in. So if you do run negative, you're not creating a huge issue. And if it runs more negative than that, then yes, you're going to end up taking out some, some debt. Um, And how do you, how do you verify that? So like for me, because I know we've talked about this a little bit, like I, I have everything like I have an electronic budget and mm-hmm. and things like that, so I know exactly how much is sitting in my account and such. Um, and if if I set up this approach and I just have a bad month, 
then to me, in my head, the money's coming from somewhere to take care oh, of yeah. this this amount. Is it just a matter of at the end of the month, I'm I'm wiping the slate clean in the sense of I'm pulling from whatever my hopefully my surplus is or pulling from my savings into my account to to flush it back out or yeah any of those i mean technically whether it's a surplus or savings that you built up or if you're in the you know the end of the spectrum where you know you haven't built up the savings yet and you're working on it you know if you're running a deficit at this stage, then yeah, you're technically creating more debt for yourself uh, that you're gotcha. going to have to work out of. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I like this. And this, this, uh, for those of you that did decide to write it down or thought that they might do it later, I just wrote it down on, on this little, this little notepad pier and it, it, it's just fine. So it's, it's totally right. Writable. Right, writing, right, write, right, write, yep, writable. <laughs> yeah, we should leave that one there. No, I mean, the goal was to make it as functional as possible without being cumbersome. Yeah. Well, I think a, a big thing that I like about this is this is something you can do immediately. It's, it's right. not a, I have to find this electronic program. I have to go buy these envelopes for these cash. I, you know, it's, it's something that, you go, I'm I'm figuring this stuff out. I've never had a good spending plan set up before. I'm doing this today, and here you go. Right. We're doing the only this thing today, that might take right a little now. time is looking up the exact amounts for all those fixed expenses. But sure. otherwise, it's truly your discretionary income and your day-to-day decision as to how you're going to spend it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, more, I'll, more, I'll throw more. in one other thing. Uh, something to consider when you look at your your daily budget, so once you figured out that amount that's you know not your maximum, but uh, your daily budget, anytime I'm looking at purchasing something, if it is more than that daily budget, so I'm not I'm not talking about you know your 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 big shopping, you know grocery shopping, right purchase, um, but if we're talking about an individual item. Roomba. You've been eyeing, right? Roomba, whatever it is that you've been eyeing. If it's more than that daily budget, I want you to give it a day. Give it a day to think about and decide, is this something I really want? Look at how it's going to impact your your budget. Is it going to run you negative or are you in a, a surplus where you can actually cover it? And just give it a day to think about. So if you're walking through the store and you see something and you're like, ooh, I want that, and it's more than the daily budget, give it a day before you buy it. Or even better yet, you know, if if it's something that you don't need right away, it's something that you've wanted for, like, I, I dude, I would love a Roomba. I really would. I just right? I, I haven't, found, <laughs> haven't found the right time to justify getting it for myself for these reasons. But if I go, man, I, I really want this thing, even having it be like a, a goal, be like, oh, you know what? If I if I'm just watching it, then I can have a look at the end of this month and see see what my surplus is. Because then you, you, you have go. that opportunity to find out whether or not you get that flat tire by the end of the month. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it gives you a couple of weeks to think on it and go, is this something I really want? And 
couple weeks later, you go, man, this this is something I really want, and I've been thinking about it all month, which is why I haven't been using my my daily allotment as much. And here we go. I got this available. Looks like looks like I'm getting me a Roomba. There you maybe go. Yeah. that's maybe that's your gift to you at the end of the month. Those short-term goals can be very powerful motivators. That's a, a great point. Well, I think this is a good way to put a nice, nice touch on everything, a nice bow to everything, and and finish up our our budgeting and our foundation and our framework to be able to move forward. So I, I hope everybody has been enjoying this and enjoying listening to us. And if you got this stuff on lock, then that's where you're going to be able to move on to the, some of the more interesting stuff to, to really move forward and, and get involved in things like active investing and passive investing and, and those types of things. Just getting that foundation is important, and I, I love having more to it. Is there anything else that you want to add to all of that? No, I think that's good. Uh, you know, between the the three of us throwing a lot of different ideas, and hopefully, hopefully, some of them stick, and some of them are are beneficial. And if there's anything that you're thinking of that goes, this would be even better. I, I want to learn more about this. Go ahead and send us a message. We're trying to expand our Facebook page a little bit here. That's the truth about investing back to basics on Facebook. We'll try and address that and we'll we'll expand on something if, if you can, if you need. And thank you again for taking the time to come out and come out just popping headphones into your head (laughs) and uh (laughs) and taking the time to try and better yourself because i'm chris holling and i'm sean cooper and thank you again for joining us on the truth about investing back to basics Podcast disclaimer, disclaimer. The disclaimer following this disclaimer is the disclaimer that is required for this podcast to be up and running and fully functioning and moving forward. This is going to be the same disclaimer that you will hear in each one of our episodes. We hope you enjoy it just as much as we enjoyed making it. All content on this podcast and accompanying transcript is for informational purposes only. Opinions expressed herein by Sean Cooper are solely those of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, unless otherwise specifically cited. Chris Halling is not affiliated with Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, nor do the views expressed by Chris Halling represent the views of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC. This podcast is intended to be used in its entirety. Any other use beyond its author's intent, distribution, or copying of the contents of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Nothing in this podcast is intended as legal, accounting, or tax advice and is informational purposes only. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. This podcast may reference links to websites for the convenience of our users. 
Our firm has no control over the accuracy or content of these other websites. Advisory services are offered through Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, an investment advisor firm registered in the states of Washington and Colorado. The presence of this podcast on the internet shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by our firm in the rendering of personalized investment advice for the compensation shall not be made without our first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. For information concerning the status or disciplinary history of a broker-dealer, investment advisor, or their representatives, a consumer should contact their state securities administrator. This has been a test of the emergency disclosure system. Checking, checking, one, two, three, yay, <laughs> yay, <laughs> seven, seven, <laughs> purple, purple, Q.